You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We are going through a liturgy this year, and this week's liturgy passage brings us to something short and sweet that Jesus said. It's kind of one of those phrases where Jesus kind of says something and then says it back on itself. It's kind of like a Yodaism, you know. Mm, do or do not, there is no, you know, just like stating words backwards and forwards to kind of get your attention. And he says this now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Everybody track with that? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it's one of those statements where like, you wonder when the disciples are trying to write that down. Can you repeat that again? How many times did you just say glory? Let's read it again. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Right here we have this picture of glory, which is a very difficult word for us to translate because it kind of carries a lot of different meanings. I mean, to some extent, you guys, when you hear the word glory, you know you know what it means like. You know, like if you hear somebody in some kind of war movie, like, for glory, like that's this kind of like for fame, for fortune, for victory, for uh, uh, one word that we might translate it as is, is weightiness, that it carries some kind of actual palpability within itself. Maybe you felt that when you're around someone who is famous, who is weighty. As you're getting close to them, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to meet this person. You know, like you feel like the, the, the glory like coming off of them. And that's not exactly the kind of glory we're talking about, but that is one of the ways in which you can interpret the word. It's, it's heaviness. And that's part of the reason why you might see that when God's glory comes into Solomon's temple, all the priests fall over. They can't stand up. God's really heavy. His presence is here and like, oh, the weightiness, the, the fullness of, of God. They're like around the most famous person there ever was and, and they're feeling it. And we have a lot of different ways in which we think about fame, and there's a few ways in which we kind of make it weird. I think one of the ways in which we make it weird is this weird, um, Christians sometimes have a weird attraction to like celebrity Christians. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen like, oh my gosh, Chris Pratt is a Christian. This is the greatest news since the gospel came out. You know, things like that. Just everybody gets super excited because like, did you know that this famous person also believes in Jesus? I have some people in my life who like love to send me those videos. Oh, you're never going to believe this person's a Christian. Watch this video, this interview with them. And like, yeah, that's always cool. And I geek out about it when it's someone that I really care about. You know, like if when Stephen Colbert and I find out that he loves Lord of the Rings and that's part of what brought him to Jesus and, and that he teaches his Sunday school. Yeah, I'm going to geek out just like everybody else. But sometimes we just get in a really weird space with that. Relevant magazine, 
Uh, I really enjoyed them growing up, but looking back at on it, on it, I'm like, that was the whole trope. We found a famous person who's a Christian. We landed an interview with them. It's 10 pages long. You'll never believe famous people are Christians. And that's like the whole kind of thing of relevant. <laughs> and at some point, I got to stand back and be like, you know, I meet Christians every day without freaking out about this. And those Christians feel, I think, so de-empowered, like... It doesn't matter that they're Christian, but these big wigs, these big names, that's a big deal. But God wants to increase your fame in a healthy way. I want to be careful how I say that, because that sounds like prosperity gospel, of which I am not a proponent of. But God wants to increase your fame in the sense that it sends out ripples to other people. I'm going to be borrowing a lot from the book, Why the Gospel by Matthew Bates today. It's a, a scholarly book in which he talks about glory and fame. So you can read that later if you want to go deeper. But um, when you come across people who become famous because they are following God, you can see the ways in which God has kind of brought more fame to them or more glory to them, more weightiness to them. Uh, Wanda Beavers might be a great example here in our own city here in Jackson. She's got her own mural downtown. So I remember bringing it up to her and she, she was trying so hard to be humble. Yeah, my face is on a whole wall. <laughs> but like she didn't do that on purpose. She did not ask to be put up there. She just lived into the kind of saintliness of what it means to follow Jesus. That if she found homeless people, she would figure out how to serve them. She would make connections with churches and organizations. She would open up her own life to take care of people. That people might know her as their own mother. And that became such an example, not only to Christians in Jackson, but an example to, to non-believers in Jackson of who Jesus is. Because they've heard these kinds of stories in Jesus, and now they're seeing it in Wanda. And so though she's not trying to get into a fame where she's trying to overthrow other famous people, if anything, she seems to be trying to run away from it, she's at the same time kind of taking on glory, taking on weightiness, taking on fame, because the actions of Christ in her are so powerful and palatable to the people around them that they can't help but recognize it, and it creates a ripple effect. People's lives are changed. That's the kind of fame that, that God wants to bring. And I think when you look throughout history, you see some of those individuals pop up. Whenever you come across one who's made their way to fame because they've just done all the right little strategies and paid all the right kinds of monies and whatnot like that, that there could be some questionable there but when you come across people like mother Teresa, who doesn't want to speak at these ginormous events who's just trying to serve god to the lowly in her area in calcutta and yet everybody hears the stories and they can't help but feel like mother Teresa is this this person they want to be like well god kind of increases the fame in many ways, you can think of any Catholic saints of old, that the fame in which they carry is just simply the glory of God. Because just like Jesus, just like Jesus is living out God's glory and therefore glorifying his Father, and then therefore the Father is glorifying him, that's what it can be like for every Christian, not just the famous ones. Our impact increases as we serve God. Jesus knows I'm going to do the will of my Father, and that is going to increase what he can do through me. 
Jesus says that in a sense about another woman too. You remember that story? A woman comes in and begins to pour out her perfume on Jesus' feet and then washes hair, wash, washes feet with her hair. And Jesus says, what about this woman? She's going to be famous. I always thought that was weird. Like, oh, Jesus is the first influencer right here. But no, like Jesus looks at this woman and is like, this right here, she's, she's brought about the glory of God. She's emptied out this precious thing for me. And you know what? She's now entered into the gospel story. She's going to be famous. People are going to remember this woman. Heck, most of us don't remember the 12 disciples' names, but we remember that woman. She gives her glory over to God, and God kind of gives some glory back, showing the rest of us, be like that woman. Be like that saint. And so we begin to, to walk in that direction. Because God does tend to look to see if he can trust people with his glory. He looks to see like if he can pour out more gifts on us, more blessings on us. You have several parables where Jesus kind of tells these stories to the one who has been given some, they will be given more as they've been deemed uh, worthy with it, as they've been trusted with what they've been given. And you never know the ways in which that kind of glory, that weightiness might come on you. So for example, let's return to Lord of the Rings. You're welcome. Uh, I think I even kind of looked at this story recently, but there's a story of Gandalf, right? He's Gandalf the Grey. For most of us, that just means he's got gray hair. But in Tolkien's spiritual realm, Gandalf is an angel of sorts, and the gray hair represents a certain part in the hierarchy. He's not at the top. He's further down, but he has proved himself to be a faithful angelic being serving God on the earth. And at one point, Gandalf's name becomes even more famous when he gives his life to protect the hobbits, the lowly people, the people that, that have a mission for God to get rid of this ring that could bring great chaos into the earth. Gandalf self-sacrificially gives of his life to fight demonic forces in order to save people on their mission. And God looks at that in Tolkien's spiritual universe and says, that's that right there. That's, that's the kind of way that I call my people to live. And though Gandalf should probably be facing a very lowly place, like he could die and probably has died in this story, God decides to glorify him instead. This is the kind of way that angels should live. This is the kind of way that people made in my image should live. This is the kind of way that humans should live. This self-sacrificial way to serve the kingdom of God. And so when Gandalf is brought out of this story, he returns as Gandalf the White. And his hair has changed color. Why? Because he's moved up in the hierarchy. He's carrying more glory now. He's carrying more weightiness. There's something different about him. That's the same story of Wanda Beavers. That's the same story of Mother Teresa. That's the same story of all the saints of old. And when we go searching for that fame and glory ourselves, we find ourselves in some really messed up places that goes the complete opposite way. 
The Bible tells us in Ezekiel that Satan had a lot of beauty. Satan was perfect. That Satan did all the right things. Until Ezekiel says one day sin was found in him, violence was found in him. And he turned against God. And his pride overtook him. And he became famous in the wrong kind of way. He misled people. He hurt people in order to get a leg up on the world and become a little G God of this planet. That's the wrong kind of pride, the wrong kind of fame, the wrong kind of weightiness. He achieved it, but he did it by his own means, bringing him into this really dark place. There's a book I wrote a few years back that I was pretty sure would get me fired or kicked out of my denomination or something because the title was Alien Theology. And the idea behind this book was simple. It was just, hey, would God make aliens? Yes or no. I was not looking to say, yes, he totally has. I was just looking to say, theologically speaking, biblically speaking, would he make aliens? Not a hard question to ask and not a really big deal, but I recognize that with those kinds of topics, it's obscure to hear about in kind of Christian circles. But I wrote the book. I had a dream one morning that I had written this book. I woke up, I wrote down the dream, and by the end of writing down the dream, I had written down all the chapters. I sat down and I wrote it in like one or two months, and then I published it. And I was like, well, okay, let's see how this is received. And to this day, it's been one of my more popular works. And part of the reason is because it was, it was written for a niche audience, the Christians who want to ask the weird questions and find answers, the kind of answers that they don't usually find in church. And for me, like, I, I felt like I was risking a weightiness of myself. At the end of this, people are going to think I'm a crazy person or a heretic or that history channel guy, the aliens, right? I'm like, this is not going to go well for me. But I didn't really have that much of a problem. And then a few months ago, um, a guy who's uh, working on some incredible project to create clean energy in uh, the state of Washington reached out to me and was like, I read your book and I'm trying to f get back into spirituality and I'm sorting out what I'm trying to figure out, like what's right, what's wrong. And I was just wondering if we could talk. And so... We started Zooming and talking online a little bit, and, and uh, um, he, he found the work very helpful. It actually kind of brought him all the way back to Jesus. He even talked to me like, can I fly in and get baptized? We're like, okay, this is not the impact I thought this book was going to have. You know, it's like, but yeah, we, we could talk about that. Sure, let me know. Well, one of the things that he was trying to figure out is like, it's like, hey, look, the, the message that you have here, I want to... I want to figure out how to kind of get that out for you more. What, what can we do? And those are awkward conversations for you when you're self-published people because you always feel awkward. It's like, hey, I made music. If you want to listen to it, go ahead. I'll tell you again tomorrow until you're all annoyed by it. Hey, I wrote a book. Uh, maybe read it. I don't know. Think about it. You got a few 15 hours to spend on my work. You know, those kinds of things are awkward. So when he comes along, he's like, I'd really like to get this word out there, like, I'm in this state of like, I don't even know what to tell you, man. Like, I don't, I obviously what I would need is money. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really want to ask for that or anything like that. But then the thing that he told me is like, okay, you're just, you're, you're trying to be humble. That's cool. I get it. But there are other people out there like me who need to get saved. 
and I want to help this message get out there. And so I still don't even know what to do with that moment, but the, that, that stuck with me for a minute. Like this, is, this book was not written for the sake of fame. This book was written to help people who are asking weird and hard questions. And can I stand back and let God do what he needs to do with it, that it would have a ripple effect to serve other people? Because God, when he created you, he gave you a certain kind of glory, some of his glory. And he wants that glory back. So here's something that Matthew Bates says, and this will mess with your head a little bit. Can God be any more or less glorious than he is? Head nods up and down, left and right, anybody? Can God be more or less glorious than he already is? My daughter's the only one who shook her head. Okay. Oh, and Amity. Thank you, Amity. The question's got a weird answer because on one side of things, God already has intrinsic glory, right? You cannot take away from God's glory that he possesses. He is already glorious whether you decide he's glorious or not. You, you can't take that away. But at the same time, glory, again, it's weightiness. It's fame. Now, if you don't make God famous, if you don't make God weighty, if you don't make God's name known, then actually he can be less glorious than he deserves to be. You can't take away from the glory that he already possesses, but if you don't give him the glory that he deserves in your own life, then he is lacking the glory that belongs to him. Is this making sense? There's intrinsic glory, a glory that God possesses, and then there's acknowledged glory, a glory that he gets from you if you give it to him. It's a glory that he's given to you to rule over this earth. And when you rule over this earth in ways that image God and mirror God, God becomes more famous. God becomes more glorious. Whereas if you withhold his name, if you don't sing his name and shout his name and share his name, if it's not a part of your testimony and the kinds of ways in which you live in this world, then God actually does not receive some of the glory. If you give your glory to some other idol, be it an actual physical statue or something in your life that you've just found yourself worshiping, if you give your glory to those things, then God's actually over here not receiving it. And so, as weird as it sounds, what you do and don't do actually has the ability to increase or lessen God's glory because a part of God's glory is your acknowledgement. You can't be famous if nobody recognizes you. You can't be weighty if no one says, you're worth it to me. There's that song, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. I don't know about you, but when that song came out, I'm like, this is the weirdest song. Like, I know that this is based on scripture. I know that there's psalms that say, bless the Lord. But how can I bless the Lord? 
here, Jesus, I bought you a birthday present. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I don't understand how I, as a lowly human being, could actually bless God. But the Bible tells me to do it all the time. Now, is God blessed if you don't bless him? Well, he's the God of blessing, so to some extent. But also, if you don't bless him, then he doesn't receive that. And so he is lacking blessing that belongs with him uh, I hope we're starting to kind of see what I'm trying to say here but your life your life and the glory that you carry actually makes a difference in the kind of glory that God carries what we do at this church and how we do it has the ability to impact God's glory his reputation his fame his weightiness here in Jackson and if we do it the wrong way, if we chase after the wrong things, if we bring idols into the mix, God will actually receive less of that here in Jackson. If we want it in Jackson as it is in heaven, then we have to yield ourselves over to him. So what is it in your life that God wants to say, hey, I gave that to you I'd appreciate it if you gave it back in the way that you serve me. Where are the spiritual gifts? Where are the spiritual gifts that you have, that God has given you, that the Holy Spirit has delegated to you? Don't tell me you don't have any. If you're a Christian, then you have spiritual gifts because you have the Holy Spirit. Where's the spiritual gifts that God has extended to you and now is also saying, hey, I'd like you to use that to bring me glory, to bring me fame, that my word would get out, that the ripple effect would go throughout your city. What are the other circumstances in your life? It may not be um, spiritual gifts, but it might be something physical. Abraham, for example. Abraham was blessed. Why? So he could be a blessing to everybody else. I don't think Abraham always did that. But the reason that Abraham was blessed was for the sake of the nations eventually being blessed. So even what he was given was meant to bring glory to God, not to necessarily just expand Abraham's wealth. And here's where the spiritual sometimes becomes physical. I love that Paul says that some people have a spiritual gift of generosity. Because I'm always like, what does that even, like, aren't we all just supposed to be generous? Some people actually have gifts in that. In our mind, that would be like, I have physical things that I can glorify God with. And then Paul would say, that's also a spiritual hybrid of a thing that you can give glory to God with. Let's go ahead and pray as we close out here. But go ahead and take a moment and just, if you already know the things that God's given you to return glory to him, return on investment, if you will, then go ahead and bring that before him. But if you don't know what it is he's given you and which he's looking for a glory to, to be given to you, to be deposited back in a sense, why don't you ask what that is? Some of you might feel just so much self-hate and so much self-worthlessness that you're like, man, I got nothing to give. God doesn't want anything from me. And that, that's just a lie straight from the devil himself. 
God wants to give you things so that he can trust you with more so that you can impact more people for the kingdom of heaven. It's not prosperity gospel. It's strategic, or as some people would say, it's wealthy stewardship. God is using you to steward his kingdom in all kinds of ways. So go ahead, take just a few seconds here and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it I need to give you? Or if you already know what it is, ask him how you can give more of it to him. And then I'll close you out in a prayer. God, you have all the glory. And as a jealous God, you are looking for the more. The more glory you find in us. The Bible also tells us that you find glory in creation itself. That the heavens are declaring your glories. That the rocks will cry out. And God, if... If Paul saw that different kinds of beings, different kind of creatures on the earth carried varying kinds of glories and yet all glory belongs to you, then, then we want to come before you as the chief glory bringer on the earth, the humans, the kings and queens of the planet, that you gave power and authority over all the lower glories. We want to come to you with the highest glory that you gave away on this earth that we might give it right back to you. And that as we do that, we might find ourselves stepping into new kinds of glories, new kinds of authorities, new kinds of, of gifts that you would continue to be worshipped. I mean, just forget Gandalf laying down his life and finding glory. We all know that that was a echo that Tolkien was using of, of Jesus, that one day there, there would come the human of humans, the most glorious human there ever was because he was untarnished by sin, and yet he would die for the rest of us, just as we've remembered in communion this morning. He would die for the rest of us that that glory might go on. It might increase glory in us because as we look at him, we're being made like him and becoming more glorious. That as we enter into the resurrection age, we will put on new bodies that are glorious. That we just might ultimately share in the fullness of your glory. But God, the most exciting time in my life has been where I have laid things down for you. I've given up time and energy For you. Because I found that when I do that over long periods, you trust me with more and I get to experience you to a higher degree than I did before in my life. And that that's the journey I want, just to know you and be known by you to the fullest extent. So we, as your glory bearers here in this neck of the woods of Jackson, we, we give you our glory. In 1208 as it is in heaven and Jackson as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come and your will be done through us. And whatever fame comes along with that, may it be to increase your name and your worship. In Jesus' name. Amen.